You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, and welcome back to the School of Reinvention podcast. My name is Roger Osorio. I'm the host and the founder of the School of Reinvention. I'm also the author of a book called The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm incredibly excited because this is episode number four of this podcast. And this was something that I've been wanting to do for such a long time. But like with many things on the journey to reinvention, you know, just because you want something doesn't mean it happens right away. And partly because sometimes we're not ready to do it. Sometimes we haven't engaged the right people to do it. And, you know, for me, I'm really lucky that I was able to find someone really special along the journey to reinvention when I was writing the book. And I connected with her around interviewing her for this book and then reached out, we became friends, I got to interview her, we stayed in touch, and now I'm incredibly excited that episode number four, you know, is is just a milestone of sorts, right? You know, I mean, episode one was a milestone as well, but episode four is definitely a milestone episode, and uh, I owe so much of this to the support and help of our producer, Gabby Ainiello, who is the founder of the Corporate Quitter podcast. So let's jump right into this episode where Gabby and I are going to have a conversation on layoffs and what you can do if you found yourself laid off. And I'm going to talk a little bit about my own story getting laid off. So without further ado, let's go right to the episode. All right. Well, Gabby, I'm super excited to be able to have this conversation with you. Um, Gosh, you and I met uh, several years ago when I reached out to you, uh, when you talked about on LinkedIn, your New York Times article, where you were featured for uh, an article on the Great Resignation. They did a big spread on that, and you were like all over it, pictures of you everywhere. And then I found you on LinkedIn through that, and I reached out because I was working on my book, and I wanted to interview you for it. You wrote back. I was super excited to hear back from you. I was like, oh my gosh, you wrote back. <laughs> and well, you know, like you're like New York Times famous now. And so I'm like, I don't know, like maybe she won't. <laughs> but you did. And we have become really dear friends since then, which I'm really excited about. And now I'm even more excited that, you know, given all your experience, bringing an awesome podcast, a corporate quitter to life and really taking that to another level. And now working on other podcast projects that you're helping me out with the School of Reinvention podcast as the producer, the official producer of the School of Reinvention podcast. So thank you so much. And uh, tell everyone about yourself a little bit more because you're on your own journey to reinvention. And there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in your life, ups and downs, but they're all exciting. Yeah, no, it's funny, too, because uh, as Roger and I were talking about right before we started the recording, I just yesterday did the cross-country trip back to New York, back to the stomping grounds of where I started Corporate Quitter, like literally the room in my parents' bedroom that like I, you know, I quit my job and kind of moved in here to start the business. And we were talking in this exact room, like I think it was like a year and eight months ago or whatever. It's just funny how things happen. But so I'm Gabby Ionella. I, I run Corporate Quitter, but I was in corporate for a couple of years and hence the name. I quit my corporate job to pursue kind of business because I was just fed up with kind of the politics and stuff like that in corporate and the glass ceilings that you can never fully shatter or go through and things like that. So 
I had quit, didn't really have a plan, but was kind of trusting in myself, you're gonna figure it out. Sold all my belongings, moved back home. And then eight months later, this thing, as you know, we both, I blew up, right? The New York Times covered me. I had all these followers across different channels, did like a global kind of media tour, if you will. And then of course, everything like kind of like blew up, like it just went flatline, you know? So it went from this really high point to now this really low point of kind of not really knowing what I'm going to do. The vision changed, right? I was changing. I got out of a toxic relationship, like everything kind of like I asked like, quote unquote, the universe, God, like I wanted my life to change. And lo and behold, my life did do an 180 and completely change. So here I am a year, no, two years later, sorry, two years later to exactly to the date when corporate quitter was born, now kind of on another path of reinvention as you've been witnessing. So it's been it's been quite a journey. But the funny thing now is that I'm actually helping people with podcasts too through my own agency called She Likes to Gab. So I got a lot of things going on and it's been quite the journey the past few years. But that's, I think, basically where I'm at right now is we're in the crossroads mm-hmm. again. Yeah, no, and I, and I love this this chapter of your journey. You know, you've developed other skills and talents along the way and you've found a way to then turn them into a service and offering, something you can uh, give to others and share with others. And, you know, you've helped us now with our branding, you know, doing a rebranding. You have convinced me to add like a, you know, powerful splash of color to to my personal branding, which I am absolutely in love with, uh, you know, and I think that that's been, for me, that's been one of the most exciting things about working with you is that getting to work with you means that I get to have this perspective that I normally just don't have on my own, this way of thinking about things, this way of communicating things, both through words and through colors and design and style, which Mm -hmm. has just made it honestly way more fun. And I think that's one of the key parts of the journey to reinvention is that we will meet people along the way who will like just help us in ways that we can't always predict or plan for. You know, originally I thought, look, it would be awesome to just interview you for the book. And that would be the coolest thing and I'd be the happiest guy right there. But no, it's gone like for like we've done so much more together. And thanks to you. Now the podcast is a real thing. It's up and running and it's growing, getting bigger. We've got so many more interviews lined up. Thanks to you. We've got the rebranding like, you know, almost about to be fully revealed, but already little hints of it already getting put out there on different channels, which I, I'm absolutely in love with. I'm looking at one of those posts that you created with our colors and all that. And it's just so cool. I love the colors and everything. But she likes to gab. I love the I love the name that you brought to it. I like, you know, you, you apply this. Obviously, you are living proof of the work that you do. And the, I think that's one of the really cool things about your journey is that you're learning, you're applying it to yourself, and then you're saying, okay, I can turn around and share this with others while I continue to develop and figure out what's next for me. Yeah, well, that's been the constant is that, right, life is going to change. And I think sometimes people get, I did, I got bogged down by like the strategies and the technicalities of business, but my business was changing, so I couldn't really eloquently like share my vision at the time. And so, quote unquote, having a personal brand kind of helped me kind of go into the world and say, hey, when I'm ready to have a product, in this case, agency, people were already there and willing and ready to spend money or kind of like want to reach out or talk to me or things like that, engage in different ways. But there's a difference between, we could talk about it later, but the difference between having just a brand and having a personal brand, because the personal brand is the thing that gives you longevity. The regular business, if you will, is the thing that is a season of life or a chapter in life. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. But as you know, too, right, like, 
it's funny how when certain strains in life, like challenges, like financial challenges come up in this case, forced me to create the agency because for so long I was like not willing to do it. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to be that girl. Like, who's going to want to pay me? So similar to, I think you had the same thing when you were parking cars and right. It was that, that was like the, that and, and the teaching was kind of like, oh, what can we do on the side? And, and, and the reason that? was to make extra money. You know, it's crazy because math became yeah. a career for a little while. But everyone's like, oh, so you followed your passion of like teaching math. I'm like, I didn't know it was a passion. I just needed to make extra money and I was tired of parking cars. (laughs) That was it. Yeah. Well, that's like projects like we like you're, you know, what you kind of talk about. And so the start of the reinvention journey is like harnessing projects and like passions and kind of running with it. And in this case, right, it ended up being monetized. But that doesn't mean every project is going to be monetized. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't start a valley parking company or anything like that. It served a purpose for a little while. And, you know, I got a lot of workout time in the evenings and nights. But yeah, to your point, you know, a lot of the things that you've done along the way were in service sometimes of just like being able to extend your journey to reinvention a little bit longer. It's like, all right, I just got to pay rent for a few more months or I got to get through this hump or whatever this is. Or I got to fix my car that broke down on me and I got to figure out, oh yeah, <laughs> we got to do a whole episode on your car. Oh, uh, my God. Your car deserves If we put, oh my God, tell the me drama. about it, I, I, I could do the <laughs> same. Like I, you and I have such a similar journey. Oh. But I think that, you know, that that's part of it, right? Sometimes we're doing things because we're thinking quickly. But I feel like when we think that quickly, we act more quickly. And because we're acting quickly, we don't let our limiting beliefs or nagging voices or anything get in the way because I'm like, look, I'm doing it for survival. (laughs) So that's it. Like, you know, that's why I I started tutoring math. I really couldn't keep doing all of those nights. It was just too much. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, Thursday and Friday nights were the toughest ones because I was still working the day job, you know, like about eight or nine hours, whatever that was each day. And that was like too much. I just, I wasn't getting the sleep I needed, all of that. I was driving in the middle of the night, like on very little sleep. It was not even safe anymore. So Yeah, for me, it was like, what can I do where I can make more money per hour and not have to like work those crazy hours? And I thought, well, I know math well enough to teach it or tutor it. So let me start there and see what we can find. And, you know, one project slash experiment led to another, which led to finding the learning center where I got to then have a slightly more steady teaching, you know, job after, you know, in the evenings. And that was kind of like what laid the groundwork for me becoming a math teacher eventually. But I never would have said that to you when I did my first project or experiment in teaching math. Never would have imagined that I'd be teaching mm-hmm. math for four years in the classroom. But hey, that's that, that's the way the journey works. Do you find that it's kind of like a double-edged sword to like do things fast? Because I find that sometimes I get in more trouble. And when I mean trouble, I mean like quote unquote trouble where I like mull about things a little bit longer or spend money or like whatever it is if I don't do things fast like there's a negative of doing things fast right but I feel like if you keep things moving even if it's like slow like you're still still making progress like do you does yeah. that does yeah, that I don't, kind of yes resonate I, a bit? I don't think it's uh I don't think it's only about moving fast and all of that I think the moving fast part serves us in certain moments you know for instance like the survival kind of examples I think you'll find interesting things. But like you said earlier, not every little project or everything you do, you know, quickly or whatever turns into a full time or the next big chapter in your life or anything like that. I didn't make parking cars like a massive career thing. I didn't start that company or anything like that. So for me, it was, you know, certain things came out of it that were really good. But I think that some things also do take time. I remember when I quit my first corporate job, I spent several months, which in my book, I talk about like, feeling lost for just months. I actually used to see them as wasted months. 
That's what I felt too. Like it's it's a little bit, it's a terrifying feeling when like rent is hanging over your head and you're like, I don't know, I'm going to yeah. make this work and I don't have any sort of clarity. What do I do? Gosh. And then, you know, a little bit after that, you look back and you say, wow, I wasted that time. I could have been doing this or that or whatever. And I now I'd be farther ahead if I had done those things. But here's the thing. At that time, I didn't, I worked with what I knew. I just didn't know to do those, some of those things that, that I ended up doing. And so... Mm-hmm. I could only do what I knew how to do at that point in time. But here, like years later, when I started writing the book, then I looked back at that same experience and I realized, wow, I wasn't actually lost. I was really figuring things out. A lot of things that I did there did actually play a role in making better decisions later. And so now I look at that time and I go, no, that was necessary time. That is necessary on the journey to reinvention. And in other parts of the journey where I found myself in a potentially similar situation, I knew now, no, hold on, this isn't a bad thing. This is the way it's supposed to be. I could just embrace this right now rather than like fighting it, rather than hating it, rather than like feeling regret or whatever. Let's embrace lost and let's explore, you know, because if you're lost, it's like, well, you might as well explore because you don't even know where you are right now. So I just started, I, I do that intentionally now and I give myself a little bit of grace I'm more forgiving of the, of myself, of that time. And it's a different experience now. Like I, I actually look forward to those moments because I realize now that they don't happen often. Most people are transitioning from one job to another, even if they're switching jobs. There's like barely two weeks in between jobs. Some people like do it even quicker than mm-hmm. that. They just like, oh, I have a few days off and then I start a new company and whatever I'm doing now. There's not a lot of time in there to explore, you know, and when you get those moments in life, I'm like, I, I take it. I have runway. I've built some sort of runway. So I know I have it and I've learned to enjoy that runway because it's hard to enjoy the runway at the beginning when you're worried that, oh, my gosh, I make no money. So, you know, when you tie your self-worth to your salary and your salary is zero. Yeah, you feel kind of worthless. Like that was hard the first time. That's why I think I called it lost for such a long time or wasted time because I was worthless in terms of salary. I had no clear direction in terms of what I wanted to do. I didn't feel like I was productive, you know, in all the ways, I guess, that we hope we're supposed to be productive. And all those things weren't there. But the absence of all those things and the fact that I actually did have a runway. Wow. Like, you know, in the end, I'm glad that I at least explored (laughs) because I look back, I go, I I did things. I tried things. I worked with musicians. I did a bunch of stuff that was like just weird for me at the time, but I just did it because I thought, well, I've got nothing else going on in my calendar. So I might as well like help that guy out, even if it's for no money. Like now I've learned that when I have the runway, enjoy the runway and make it count in not productivity terms, but in terms of exploration. Because when you do all that exploring, it tends to pay you back later. Meet people along the way that you wouldn't have met. You learn skills that you probably wouldn't have learned. And when you do all of that and it comes together later, you start to see like, oh, wow, I see opportunities that I never actually imagined when I first took that leap. And thanks to exploring, I see the world differently than I used to. So I wonder kind of that whole scenario It's almost similar to like a layoff, right? But the layoff is more emotionally charged because it's unexpected, right? No layoff is, you're not prepared for a layoff ever, right? Okay, you can put money aside and you can have like an emergency fund, but it's never like, you're not emotionally prepared for that call that you receive, right? And I, you know, I I didn't receive necessarily a layoff, but I got laid off from a project last July, which spun things off Mm -hmm. for me. And I kind of had that experience, but for you being laid off from IBM and compared to quitting like it's a different sort of 
you know experience and then of course you're doing similar things or exploring and building a community but like can you explain the difference a little bit more and like how the current climate that's very layoff centric right now can kind of you know maximize it a bit because i think there is runway like you said to be utilized if again utilized properly yeah so you know quick i guess context i've been laid off twice so the first time was oh i didn't know that yeah the first time was from a job that i loved and it was a different kind of layoff it was more i was working for a school district and they lost funding for the kinds of budget that were paying me so since i wasn't a regular full-time teacher meaning i didn't have the degree and the certification i was in there uh, listed technically as a consultant but i was teaching math and that funding dried up at some point and the superintendent very different experience too because the superintendent who hired me in the first place, and it was his idea to bring me on in the first place, had a very open discussion with me when it happened, when he found out that the budget was gonna be cut for the following year. So he said that this will be your last year. I want to bring you back, but I cannot. He really explained to me thoroughly like what the challenges were for him and why he really couldn't make this happen. And so that was, of course, you know, tough to work through and deal with, but uh, I also felt pretty good because, you know, he respected me enough to like have that open conversation with me, gave me enough heads up that I knew like, OK, at least I know this has got to be the way. So let's uh, let's, you know, keep going and all of that. That was the first time that was a, a slightly different. You know, um, I was very lucky and that's rare. And I was one of the few because it was really just budget for a certain type of role or whatever. So, you know, maybe the handful of other people with me were laid off. The IBM layoff, that was different. That was a massive layoff, much like what we're seeing now happening in a lot of tech companies. And that was, of course, you don't expect that. You know, I had a call on my calendar for 9 a.m. New York time, which means it was uh, 6 a.m. for the person calling me because he was based in California. And I thought that was a little odd. I go, wow, that's a bit early for them. You know, usually, you know, we don't meet until 11. So it's eight o'clock their time. And I thought, well, maybe like it was a director from my organization. I thought maybe he needed something or like an urgent project or whatever. So I said, cool. Anyway, I'm going to get on the call. So that Friday I got on the call and, you know, he delivered the news. And of course, it knocks the wind out of you, I guess, is a way to explain it, right? Like you don't expect it. You feel a lot of things at once. You're you're shocked for a second because you're wondering if this is real, if you're dreaming or not, or if this is a nightmare, not a dream, it's more of a nightmare. And then you start, of course, thinking about all these things, you know, like money and paying stuff and all of this, things that you weren't necessarily totally prepared for or you hadn't really calculated because, of course, a layoff is a surprise. You feel embarrassed. You know, you feel really embarrassed. Like, There's why me? There's shame around it. Yeah. yeah. Why, like, why did I get chosen for this and all of that? And that's a thought that I learned going through this experience and all the things I did after to help others who got laid off. I got to learn a lot about the psychology of like what you feel and what you go through getting laid off. That was the feeling that I learned very quickly is the one serves us the least and can really derail like bouncing back the most. If you're embarrassed and all that, it could really delay everything. And so it's really important that, you know, you, you find a way like to accept what happened and, and recognize that when these layoffs happen, it's often the way somebody described it to me at the company. Uh, this is the kind of like big layoffs are usually like they're taking an ax and they're just swinging it. And whoever didn't duck in time, you're out. Like that's kind of like what's happening. And when you look at it that way, you're like, okay, so this is not really surgical. 
<laughs> when they're picking this up. They're like, no, like, you know, a lot of people who had been at the company for decades told me there's nothing surgical about how layoffs happen here. And I'm sure it's the same for most companies. Rarely do companies take that much time or something like that to really think about it. They just look for like, you know, big kind of obvious ways to get rid of people. And so basically it's an ax swinging. And if you don't have the connections or the friendships or the politics or a lot of other things, or if you're not in the right division that is working on something that's going to generate profit in the near term and you're working on a long-term project, you know, all those things acts, you know, like, and it just happens. And so you don't duck mm -hmm. in time. So you're feeling that embarrassment, all of that. So that was really hard. Of course, you're, you're angry. You don't know, like, who do I call now? Who do I tell? Does my team know, <laughs> you know, like all these things are running through your head in this moment and you're trying to keep a straight face. And that's like that. I was lucky enough to get a call. I was on a zoom call you know, obviously some of the other tech companies who recently laid oh, people off and trauma I, had, I heard from a friend and he said <laughs> like he got laid bad. off via tweet. He got laid off. That's I was a bit like, impersonal what? for my liking. I, I mean, I, and, yeah. I, you got to do what you got to do, but I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. I was lucky enough to get that, but still, you know, it's a really uncomfortable place to be. But right after what I did was I, I think the first person I called was my wife. I can't remember if it was my parents or my wife. I think it was my wife. And I told her, she didn't believe me. She thought I was joking. And then I called my parents, you know, and I told them and, you know, they were super supportive. And, and it was really important, I think, to call those three people because I was going to get unconditional support from them. And that was I think that's what you need in that moment, like right away. Later that day, I called uh, one of my dearest mentors at the company and I told her she was pissed, you know, on my behalf. It felt nice to know that. And, you know, you kind of just need to hear that for a minute, like just to, it's okay, not just cool, me. you know, like yeah. I'm not trapped. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's not just me. Like, I mean, so that helped a lot. And, you know, from there, although, so to your answer, your original question, it's there's a lot of that, those negative feelings that are now thrown into what do I do next? And the question, of course, is what do I do next? What happens now? And now when I got laid off, that was during the beginning of COVID. So we were all locked down. There were no events. There's no networking. There's no nothing. People, the world had not yet shifted all the way to virtual yet. Everyone was still figuring out, do yeah. we wait it out? Do we just postpone our in-person events for another month or so? So we were in this moment where nothing was happening. And I'm like, all right, so what am I going to do here? You know, And that was, uh, fortunately for me, it ended up being an opportunity to reinvent myself again. How long did it take you from like that, I don't want to say depression period, but really that moment of like, what am I going to do? Like the freak out moment to like actually taking action like you calling your family and Rowena was good you know that that was a mm -hmm. good start you know heading the right direction but I mean like for people who are just like emotionally like in shock like what just give them a timeline of like oh was it two weeks and then you were able to like start placing feelers like what you know what, were you expanding on projects like what what is the ideal time frame that you think for people to kind of like get things moving again well the good news is I actually I think the ideal time frame could be just a day or oh, okay. two and here's why. And so what happened, and I talk about this in my book, The Journey to Reinvention. It's the opening story. It's in the uh, introduction. And when I called my mentor later that day, she did something for me that actually changed everything. So there's this quote that Tony Robbins has where he says, where focus goes, energy flows. And essentially saying, wherever you put your focus, like that's where your energy is going to ultimately go. And that will dictate how you feel too. Also and goes so, towards problems. Exactly. And I could have focused on all the negative feelings and the fact that I'd just been laid off. And now I got to figure out income and all these things and survival and blah, blah, blah. 
which are going to be waiting for me no matter what I do at this point. <laughs> like that's going to be waiting for me. And the good news was, and I think for most of the people getting laid off at this point, is that we get severance. We get at least a few months of something. We get some in health insurance, whatever. Everything's at least extended for, at least from what I've been reading, three, four months, sometimes more. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you you have time to like take a moment to just pause, like reflect, get a little bit of perspective. And I was lucky because this woman, Jennifer, she said, you know what? I'm not worried about you because I know you've reinvented yourself in the past. I know you're going to find a way. Mm-hmm. But she gave me purpose. She said, but here's what I want you to do because there is a problem. A lot of the IBMers who are getting laid off with you have been here for 10, 20, 30, even 40 years. And for them, this is not going to be the same experience you're going through. You're going to go through an experience that, yeah, will suck a little bit, but you're going to find your way pretty quickly. But for people who haven't had to leave the company or leave a company for decades, this is a massive change. For some of these folks, when they applied, there was no LinkedIn. There was no Monster or, or Career Builder or those old websites like from before. They were like, even before that, they got to the company. That's going to be really hard. And so she goes, what I want you to do is I want you to put your coaching skills, your motivational speaking skills, your teaching skills, your storytelling skills, everything. I want you to put it to use. I need you to put that to use and to help find the way to help these folks. She didn't tell me how. She just said, this is what I want you to do. And the why was clear. I mean, I felt that purpose. I felt like, wow, I want to do this. Like, this would be an amazing way to spend our final 30 days because the structure of that layoff was we've all had 30 more days at the company. So, you know, I'm like, well, I got to be here for 30 days. I might as well do something really purposeful with those 30 days. And so for me, like the moment I shifted my focus to helping others, everything changed. Those negative feelings, I'm not saying they evaporated, but they were significantly cut down, you know? They didn't feel as bad. They weren't as amplified anymore. They definitely lost a lot of their power and hold against me. And all of a sudden, I'm like trying to figure out the how. (laughs) Because she didn't tell me how to help these people. She just said they're out there scattered around and there's no list, FYI. So you can't go to a list and go find them. You have to figure out how to advertise whatever you're going to do inside of a company that is hurting right now and find people who don't necessarily want to identify themselves to you as having been laid off. I was like, wow, I've got a hell of a how to figure out here. And so when your focus goes there, I almost couldn't even, I didn't have time to think about anything that I was feeling, the negative feelings. And instead, I focused on something that not only distracted me, but gave me incredible fulfillment. And when yeah. you feel that fulfillment, honestly, like you're kind of you can you can really beat down negative feelings. That said, you know, the final day, of course, there was some emotion when I hit that final day. And I again, trying to think in terms of how do I shift my focus to something more positive? My wife was in the country at that point in time, and we celebrated. We bought a bottle of one of my favorite wines, and it was not a cheap bottle. And we're like, we're going to celebrate the right way. And it's a really hard bottle to find, but it's a wine that I absolutely love. And we're like, we're going to open this bottle and celebrate this final day at IBM with an incredible bottle of wine. And that's how we're going to kind of, again, shift focus and let it go towards celebration rather than like, you know, something that was negative. And yeah, that made a massive difference having that purpose. So, you know, to answer your question, I think that it could be done more quickly if we can find a way to quickly shift our focus to uh, helping others and really getting outside of ourselves. When you do that, you also get out of your own head. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for people who maybe don't have any sort of like 
they don't have any runway in terms of projects. Like they were just doing their thing at their job, kind of going through the motions. Not that they didn't like their job, but they, right, they weren't looking for outside extracurriculars. They didn't have mentors at the company. They were just kind of like doing what they need to do, paying their bills, that type of thing. Like how can someone even start diving into looking at projects or even evaluating their skill set when they've never really looked at it from that perspective or even kind of looked outside their career? And this is like the Mm -hmm. first or the, you know, the first time in a while that they've had to do that. So I think one of the best ways to do this is to not overthink the thing that you're going to get involved in. So a lot of times people are like, I got to find the right group to join or the right community or the right activity that really aligns with all of my interests and everything like that. You know what? That's nice if you happen to already be very self-aware of what your interests are and all of that. But the truth is, like, if you have not yet figured that out, in order to figure out what your interests are, what your passions might be, what your purpose might be, you actually just have to start dating a lot of potential interests. And in that dating process, you start to get to know yourself a lot better. So what I would say for someone who's you know, feeling like they don't know exactly what they might want to do next or they're not sure what their interests are or where they lie, I go, then don't be picky about what it is that you do. Just do anything at this point. Because one of the things that most activities do have in common, which in the end will always make it worthwhile, the human connection. Chances are there will be humans involved, other humans. And when you get to connect with other humans, especially new ones, you know, something I think happens to our, our brains, ourselves. Like, again, focus goes to the new interaction, to the new relationship, to the new people and connecting with them. And you forget for however long, you know, some of those other things that are happening in your life that don't feel so positive, that are weighing you down. And all of a sudden you're thinking about positive things and enjoying mm-hmm. uh, new relationships. And so I think... Um, don't overthink the thing. Just get involved in something. And the fastest way to do that is probably to ask your friends like, hey, can I join you on something that you do? Like one of your interests or passions. You know, you might have a friend that's, I don't know, like maybe they, they're into dancing. And chances are, you know, because of social media, we pretty much know what people do for fun because they're probably posting a picture from like, oh, they were at this, you know, awesome dance class that they do that they love doing like every week or whatever. Just say, can I join you for the next dance class you go to? Don't think that you've never, don't even worry about whether you danced or not or anything like that. Just ask, can I go with you? Or, you know, how can I get started? And then just go do it. Like, don't think about it. And when you start doing those things, you get to know yourself better in the process. Once momentum gets built, you get a little bit better at finding things that are probably even more interesting to you. And before you know it, you're like, wow, I really know what I like. And for me, teaching was an accident. Like I said, I was just looking for a way to make extra money. And then it turns out that there was a lot more interest and passion there than I thought. But it develops. It was like a date that we dated for many months before I decided to get serious with (laughs) teaching. And then when we made it official, it was years later when I became a full-time teacher. So um, we dated for many years, four four or five years before I went into the classroom for four years straight. So Mm -hmm. four years of dating. We we were married for four years. And then we said goodbye on nice terms. You know, this is nice. And then I occasionally date other teaching gigs <laughs> <You know? laughs> part-time I keep a, I keep a teaching gig on the side you know it's like it's like my side piece so you know whatever <laughs> that's a good way to look at it though because I think there's a lot of intimidation when starting something new because you think that number one I might suck at it or oh the other intimidation piece is like what if I like this then it's going to cost a lot of money like it's going to be a routine thing that I have to do and I have to commit to this and blah 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 and then the other component too is like what if it doesn't make me money or like what and there's a lot of things that we put a lot of pressure on or even my biggest thing too sometimes was like 
well, what if I connect with people like they have to be my best friends now or like we have to get along so well or this and this and it like doesn't have to be like that at all. It could just be a touch point to give you a yes or no signal and that's it. Yes, exactly. I think that's it. If you don't put all those other requirements on it, all of a sudden it just might be the that little signal you need, uh, that slightly enhanced bit of self-awareness that you were missing. And for me, that's what all these activities do. When I quit the first corporate career, I mentioned that I worked with a musician. And mm-hmm. here, so here's how that interest even or that curiosity developed. So I used to watch that show Entourage on HBO. Uh, you know, like, I don't know if you ever saw that. I was hardcore into it. And it's, a, it's about like a movie star from uh, a guy from Queens who moves to LA, becomes a movie star. He moves with all his friends. One of his friends becomes his manager. So that character, his name is Eric or E for short. And I really liked what like his role, his character, being the manager and all of that. And so I just had this interest in like, well, wouldn't it be cool to be a manager of like talent, you know, finding some talent and then being their manager. Well, then I got introduced to a musician who had just relocated back to St. Louis. He had a lot of experiences reinventing himself, doing a lot of things along his journey. The most recent thing was being a singer. And now he was back in St. Louis and looking to reinvent himself and relaunch his singing career in St. Louis. And so we got connected and we hit it off. And so I started helping him with his singing engagements, learning how to set up all the equipment and all that kind of stuff. And so he would teach me how to do all this stuff. And then he also asked me to help him like with memorizing songs and things like that. He had like quick turnaround times on some of these gigs. And he was like, I need help like finding hacks. And I happened to be into the brain. So I was like, yeah, yeah. Like I've read a lot of books on neuroscience. I know a lot of these hacks. I know ways to do this and make it work. And so that I just started helping him out in anything I could really help him out with. And How'd you guys get was, connected? If you don't mind me asking, just for yes. curiosity. Was it like Craigslist or something? No, but it was a mutual friend. And that mutual friend I had just met because I walked into an art gallery out of curiosity, just looking to connect with another human. And I thought, well, I like art. So maybe I'll just walk into this art gallery. And I did one day walk into an art gallery that I drove past like a bazillion times, but I had never stepped foot in. And I finally set foot in there, met this woman, Nancy, who was just an incredible woman, became like a fairy godmother of sorts in my life, who really always like took care of me in many ways, helped me out, always offered me uh, really awesome advice and all of that. And she was the one when she learned of my reinvention and I just, you know, quit this job. Uh, she goes, you know, I think you should connect with this guy named Jack. You know, he just relocated back. To, he's originally from St. Louis, but he just moved back after many, many years being away in Hollywood and different places. And so she told me to where to meet him. She didn't even go or make the connection. She just said, he's going to be at this place. I'm supposed to go there, but I can't go there that night. And so just go to this bar. He looks like you'll know the moment you see him. <laughs> and I was like, are you serious right now? Like, you're not even going to show me a picture. She's like, trust, trust me, you'll know when you see him because it's St. Louis. Everyone dresses like, you know, kind of a certain way. But this guy's coming from like Vegas and Hollywood and he's going to dress a little differently and you'll see right away. So she was right, by the way. <laughs> like, I knew very, exactly very who he was. Very loud clothing and stuff. It was noticeable. I was like, this is different. And I went up to the guy and I just like said, hi, you're Jack, right? And then like, and he goes, yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, well, I'm Roger and, you know, Nancy, our, 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 we have a mutual friend named Nancy. And I just started a conversation with that's him. So and that's funny. kind of how it began. I love that, though. That's like such yeah. an organic, non-traditional. Well, it used to be traditional. Now it's not, right? Everything's through DMs yeah. and stuff like that. But like, yeah, things like that still work all the time. It, it really does. And, and I was just super like, 
I don't know, open with the guy and he was super nice. Like most people at the end of the day, are, the majority of people are nice. And he invited me to his table with all of his friends, like old high school friends that he was mm-hmm. reuniting with. And they were all hanging out and they were buying rounds and all that. And I'm just like, wow, this is like super cool. And then he invited me to his house where he had like the entire basement was a recording studio environment. So he had like the whole thing, like, you know, recording booth, everything totally professionally done with a little stage set up so that him and his friends could jam and host, you know, they can host guests and all that. I was like, this is nuts right now. Like your house is like, yeah, this is like really crazy. You're, You're really into this. And so that's how we met. But exploring that, you know, in the end, I helped him book some gigs, all of that. Long story short, working with him, I'd learned that. It was fun in the moment in some ways, but I didn't really enjoy, enjoy it. And I go, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you just do things. And I didn't think overthink that one too much. Nancy said, go meet this guy. I didn't even think something could come of it. I thought she was just introducing us. It'd be nice to have a friend who's a little different. I don't know, whatever. I was like, oh, cool. But there was more there. I didn't overthink it. I didn't think, for instance, I could have probably thought, oh, but I have two bachelor's degrees. Like, why would I help you set up music? Gigs. Yeah. Like, you know, carrying heavy equipment and set and laying down wires and all like, no, like, I, I don't do that. But didn't I, it I help didn't... you like now that you do public speaking and stuff and have a, have a podcast and pitch people and like all those things are it's not in the music realm, but it's somewhat they're all interconnected. Like it's still production, right? So like when you go like when you did your conference in Aruba, not that you're the one doing the AV stuff, but like you kind of understand how it works, which I think is helpful yes. in some regards. Everything you do. It's like there's a way that it comes back to serve you. It's like that movie uh, Slumdog Millionaire. You ever oh, see yes, that? yes. Great you know, movie. and all of a sudden, every little detail like somehow rolls into an answer to a question that yeah. is served to him that, you know, later in that competition. And I felt like, you know, that's how life is. Like everything you do, you're absolutely right. Like all that stuff, you know, it just makes you more comfortable when you're in those settings because it's like i'm not a stranger to this either i mean i'm not like super familiar with it but i'm not a stranger either Mm -hmm. and that just makes life a little bit easier as you go through these experiences because you never know when it might come back and i think almost everything comes back in some way shape or form so even though it didn't pan out into something i was interested in one i knew i wasn't because i tried it two i got to try it in the first place because i didn't overthink it and three to your point a lot of those things did come back to serve me in life when i did other like when i did television engagements and different things like that you know you're surrounded by kind of like all this equipment all these people who do these different things rolled up and many more experiences of course but everything comes back i think to serve you at some point but the key is don't overthink it really just like get involved in stuff and do it that's why i call it dating you know, and I always say, give it two dates. Don't give it one date. Because the problem with one date is that that's applying a fixed mindset. Well, you're also, you're nervous, right? You're not 100% yeah, yourself. You're, you're uncomfortable. <laughs> you know. Exactly. And I think that's it. Like, you know, when we think, I always saw, when I used to teach growth mindset and fixed mindset, I still do in some sessions. When I teach that, I always say, like, I ask the whole room, you know, who here believes love at first sight? And when I do this, especially in the U.S., uh, U.S. events, a lot of hands go up because it's a very U.S. thing or a Western thing. And so I go, that's the fixed mindset. People are like, wait, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) And I go, yeah, you're fixed mindset people. Sorry. (laughs) I go, no, you're not fixed mindset people because you might be growth in other things. But that is a fixed mindset because that's you going into a situation and saying if it's not there instantly, if the chemistry doesn't happen in the moment, then it must not be good. But when I've talked to a lot of really successful relationships, I find that their beginning stories require a growth mindset. (laughs) Terrible. 
because it was, like, <laughs> I got turned down like 17 times by this woman before she finally said yes to one date. And then it took like another like eight months before we like started really dating. And it's just like, and now we've been like insanely happily married for like eight years. And I'm like, wow, those are cool stories. But they teach me something that that was a growth mindset. They, they, they were thinking, you know what? Things take time. Like sometimes you just got to like keep trying and not even keep trying. Like, you know, stay involved, like stay connected. Like you never know, especially if there's something there. Obviously, if you're not interested, you're not interested. I always tell people, give it at least two dates with interests because you never really know. The first time, to your point, you're a little nervous. You know, imagine if you're taking a golf lesson for the first time. Chances are you're going to swing that golf club and hit the ground like a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Well, if you go based on that, you should never go back, right? Yeah. But that would be the fixed mindset. The growth mindset says, you know what? I need some lessons. Maybe I should come back after a few more lessons. Oh, there we go. Like now you're opening up the possibility that maybe you could learn the skill. You could develop this interest and see what's what. And for me, golf, actually, I, I went through that exact thing. Of course, I sucked the oh, first time I did suck, it. when you suck too, you don't like doing it. <laughs> You're like, right? You don't like doing things you suck at. So if you already have a two or three date rule where I got to go on two or three dates before I really say no to this interest, you give yourself the chance of possibly getting over that, that initial like, you know, sucking at something. Yep. And, and if you give it a shot, you might say, you know what? This is actually kind of fun. I'm not great at it. I'm not even close to good. I, I'm actually pretty bad. But I'm kind of interested in getting better at this. And then you're like, oh, and then you might continue to you know, follow that path. And you never know where it could take you at that point. But again, yeah. it just starts with dating a lot of, th- a lot of different interests. And, and you know what? Play the field. They date a lot of interests at once. I mean, now it's so easy to find stuff happening in, oh, yeah. your, in your city, wherever you live. So just go get involved in stuff. And if you and if you think there's something that you need to create, goodness, you could just go and post an ad about it or or like, you know, post it on one of your social platforms. And chances are somebody will get back to you and say, yeah, I'll go with you. Or that sounds like fun. Let's do that. Yeah. And you try something out and you, you know, you see what's what. I feel like in my career, I was more open to trying different interests, either a career stuff or related to my career progression, like volunteering and things like that. Like, oh, add it to the resume. But it took me until I quit corporate for me to explore actual hobbies and interests that Mm -hmm. are creative versus just career that's interesting i think we always think of like oh how do i explore things that will help me in my career yeah you know like think professional development training more of that yeah yeah and but i love like you know how i've seen your interest and passion for painting evolve over the last how long has it been now like six months or it hasn't been that long it's been since july so yeah almost a year but it's crazy because i started with the paint by number because i was so intimidated by painting didn't even finish the paint by number but then after like halfway through i was like oh i want to try doing a canvas and that's when things kind of went like we went crazy actually no i didn't even use a real canvas because i didn't want to use my money so i like literally (laughs) i think i grabbed a canvas out of the garbage for an already created piece that i then repaint like whitewashed and repainted over so okay if it's this garbage i'll just put it back in the garbage again you know but yeah, it's, it's been the painting thing and even singing. Like I did singing lessons. The yeah. first one I bombed, I did so terribly. And then yeah. by the third one, I was like, oh my God, I love this. And t- talking about connection too, like I was worried because, right, you have to connect with the the teacher, right? And it's a new mm-hmm. person and I don't know them in a new state. And she was great. Like we almost, I mean, I ended up dropping off and we couldn't like our schedules, but we were going to go out for drinks. Like we ended up being f- good friends and like I never would have yeah. anticipated that happening. And that's right there. I mean, that's what I loved about following your passion in painting. You just explored it and you did it without 
overthinking it. You didn't set too many expectations. You didn't even invest in a freaking canvas. You just grabbed one out of the trash and like, you know, wash that up and use it again. So that's like really how simple it can be. If you allow yourself not to overthink this and give yourself permission to just go for it and try without thinking too hard about anything you're doing. And then you see what's what. Look, if, if you really don't like it after a couple of times, you'll know. And then that's fine. Move on to something else. Try something else. But in your case, you know, because you gave it a few chances, just like singing, it turned out like, wow, this is a cool experience. Look, you may not go for, you may not say, look, I'm going to become a professional singer and I'm going to go for a Grammy now. Like, no, like, it doesn't have to go to that level every yeah. single time. It could just be like, hey, that was a really fun chapter, a really fun little thing in my life. I really enjoyed that. It adds a different dimension to me, gives me some cool stories to share and memories that I will carry with me forever. And that's it. Like, that's literally what it is. But I think that distinction you mentioned between things that we do for our profession versus things that we do that are not professional related, really big one. I've not thought too, too hard about that one, I think. But I know that thanks to working with a coach, I have thought to pursue other things as well that are like different activities that don't have to do with learning for, I don't know, my work that I do for becoming a better coach or becoming a better speaker or anything like that. Like right yeah. now I'm, I'm building a- um, Oh my God, I saw the story. It looks sick, I love Legos. It's, oh my gosh, it's that Lego or Technic, uh, the Ferrari. And, and it was my little treat for publishing my book. When the book was published, I, I went out, I was like, I know what I want to celebrate this. And I celebrated with this like, freaking $400 Lego set or Technic set. And it has been so much fun to build. It's, I'm looking at it over there. It's really coming together, super exciting. I think there was a version of me in the past that would have never made time for this. And when I say past, I don't even mean that long ago, where I'd always say like, no, I should be doing something that's more productive or I should do something that is gonna help the business or whatever. And you know what? No, this just helps me, which I guess in a way helps everything else I do, but, but it really first helps me. It's fun. Mm -hmm. I enjoy that time. Like I love sitting down Saturday, Sunday morning doing that. And now with a baby, baby Sophie and I watching like, you know, Premier League uh, soccer matches, you know, Saturday and Sunday morning. That's fun to do. Uh, Again, not trying to like be super productive and all of that. So it's just uh, these are things for me that are just fulfilling. So whatever it is that you're interested in learning, painting, singing, whatever, dancing, go for it. Just explore it, you know, and there's probably a cheap way to do it if money's a challenge. And, you know, most of my upbringing and all that money was a challenge. But I found that if you're creative enough, you'll find something. And if you talk to other humans, you'll you'll find that people are like invite you to experiences, you know, like they people love to share their passions. So you just have to talk to others. Yeah, I agree. But I think this is also important for people who get laid off like with your time that you have like play like let yourself be a kid because when else are you going to get the time especially if you've been working for 10 20 30 years like you're you never had the energy i never had the energy and i was 28 and i you know quit Mm -hmm. then like i was exhausted when i came home let alone if you have kids and a whole family who are leaning on you like give yourself the grace to like play a little yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of those keys, you know, we, you know, you and I like put together some content around what to do after a layoff, you know, and one, you know, gain that perspective and, and kind of step back for a moment to recalibrate your focus and, and ideally like, you know, look for ways to help others, find a way to help others. For me, when I got laid off, it was thanks to Jennifer that I found that purpose to help others, to help the people being laid off with me prepare for that layoff. That inspired me to create the Reinvention Mastermind, which eventually gave way for me thinking about, could this be something I do, you know, 
for, for a living, like helping people with reinvention. And, you know, that got me to think about what is now called the School of Reinvention, which is the name of this podcast. And then I even started thinking about writing that book. All these things started because I shifted my focus to helping others. And I didn't go into it thinking like, oh, this will absolutely help me design my next business and help me figure out my next products and services. No clue. It was just like, let me figure out how to help these folks and then I'll figure out how to help myself. And it turns out that when you do that, opportunities come up. You think of things that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. And then you never know like where that could take you. But the project that I engaged in was key. You know, that's what I call it. In the end, I engaged in a 30-day project. We had those final 30 days, and I used those 30 days to create this project that I called the Reinvention Mastermind. And what I've learned through that and many other projects that I've engaged in, however big or small, some projects are for like a day or two. Other mm-hmm. projects are for like a few weeks. This one was a month-long project. And when you engage in projects, that is what I have found the, the beginning of of any great reinvention. It doesn't mean that every project becomes your next reinvention. It just that means that projects pave the way for future reinventions. You might choose to get on one, you might choose not to, that's different. But you have possibilities thanks to projects and this project created so many possibilities. It gave me a reason to reach out to others and Mm -hmm. engage mentors, engage people in my network. I reached out to old friends, I reached out to some new friends, asking like people for ideas. I needed stories because a part of the reinvention mastermind was I was sharing stories of people who had been laid off in their 50s and 60s and had reinvented themselves. So I started activating people in my network that I normally probably would not have reached out to because I didn't know what else to reach out at the time for. Mm -hmm. And I just started reaching out. Well, those connections led to some people who became future clients, others who like booked me for other things because now we were reconnected again around something tangible, something that they could help me with where there was impact right away. They felt good. I felt good. Everybody won. And it's all because of a project. So projects help you do so many things. You Mm -hmm. get to know yourself better. You start reconnecting or connecting with brand new people. You can really shoot big and connect with some like bigger names, people that you'd never think to like, you know, engage. But you've got something solid, you know, something like specific. So you might as well ask. It also helps you test out new interests uh, in the process. And it could be purposeful, too, for me helping the other people getting laid off with me was fulfilling. So honestly, if all those other things didn't happen, at least I was getting some fulfillment out of it, which felt amazing, especially during such a difficult moment. I think the cool thing that like the audience can do as a takeaway is like, you know, have you heard of the year of yes? I mean, it's kind of the, it's a pretty like standard concept of like you say yes to things versus saying no to things. So you wonder if like over the next month long, you know, period or, you know, for 30 days, can you say yes to things you normally wouldn't or try new things or engage in a 30 day project just to kick off your reinvention journey, whether you got laid off or not, I think it would be really fun. Yeah, I think right there, that could be a very quick way because chances are you're being invited to a lot of things. And sometimes they're not direct invitations. I mean, sometimes it's like somebody posting on, you know, one of the social platforms you might be on saying, hey, I'm doing this thing. Like, you know, who wants to join in? And it's just a matter of like actually paying attention to that and saying, oh, someone's hosting this event. Oh, someone's hosting that networking thing. Oh, someone's hosting whatever. I should just say yes or RSVP or go. (laughs) And it could be as simple as saying yes to those things. Or when your friends actually call you and say, come with me to do this thing. Come with me to dance class. It'll be so much fun. We'll have a blast. (laughs) Just say yes. Don't even think about it. Do you have any like parting remarks, if you will, or like parting, like, I don't know, uh, feedback or suggestions that we haven't touched on? Yeah, I think, you know, the last thing I'd love to uh, leave this with is a layoff can 
absolutely feel and and be devastating Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be and that's what i learned with my layoff at ibm i made a very deliberate decision after jennifer called me with that mission and gave me that opportunity to shift my focus i could have just said i have no idea how to do this jennifer like no and just left it at that and gone on my way feeling you know crappy trying to like look for other jobs but I chose to like pursue this thing. And for me, what I was choosing was not only to help others, but I was also choosing to be laid off on my terms. Mm -hmm. This is my way of doing it on my terms, taking a situation that I didn't choose because that happens in life. Like things will happen to us that we did not ask for. You know, cars will break down when you didn't (laughs) ask for the car to break down. You know, jobs will call you and, and cancel you or lay you off or whatever you want to call it. That said, you know, it could still be done on your terms. I'm going to do it in a way that is not the way that normally it happens, you know, and I'm going to choose to make this a positive experience. And so I shifted my focus to helping people. And I believe that we all have the capacity and the capability to do that. It may not feel that way, it may not seem that way, but I promise you, you can wrap this up on your own terms. I didn't want to leave like pissed. I didn't want to leave angry. Mm -hmm. I wanted to leave with like my head held up high positively and just, you know, excited about what I was going to create next and moving into whatever that next chapter was going to be. And that changes everything. And by the way, I even gave it a name. I gave that campaign, like my own little personal campaign, a name. I called it my last dance with IBM. Oh, that's really cute. (laughs) And, well, it was partly inspired by that uh, documentary, like on the Bulls, on the Chicago Bulls. Oh, uh, yeah, the yeah, 90s. yeah. And that had just come out like a few months before. And it was called The Last Dance. And I thought, you know what? This is my last dance with IBM. I have, And I was lucky enough to have those 30 days. But even if I didn't, whatever, those 30 days of post layoff, they're going to be my last dance, you know, and that's going to be my time. And so I'm going to do this on my terms and my way. And I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it as if this is a, a close of a chapter that I want closing positively, not negatively. And so, you know, I don't know what that's going to mean for everyone listening in if, if you're going through a layoff or you or maybe or if it happens, and I hope it doesn't. But if it did happen, the most amazing thing about it is that fast forward five, 10 years, when you look back or even a year, when you mm-hmm. look back, you'll say to yourself, wow, that was on my terms. Like I did that my way. You know, I didn't get caught up in any of anybody else's way of thinking about it. I, I did it my way. And I feel good about that. But if you know yourself, you'll know what that is. And you can decide I'm going to do this on my terms on doing this my way. So, you know, hang in there. I know it's going to I know it feels tough. I know it's scary. I know it feels all these negative things, embarrassing and all of that. But you can absolutely do it on your terms. And that version of you coming out of that, trust me, will find, not even find, will create the next great opportunity. Yeah. You also have, I think it's, what is it, the Build Your Dream Project? What, what was the? Oh, oh the uh, uh, Reinvention Project Design call. Oh, you, there, are you okay. talking about that? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's something new that for people who are listening, they can tap that if they're like, I want to do a project, but... I don't know what to do. Like I don't know where to start. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is I mean, if you go to rogerosorio.com forward slash coaching or just go to rogerosorio.com and click on coaching, you can book a 30 minute discovery call with me. In that call, what we're going to do is we're gonna start designing a project. Like what do you want to work on? Because the sooner you can define a project and design it and create actionable steps, the sooner you can get moving on that project and you start laying down possibilities for the future. What I want to do is help people plant those seeds and it starts by defining it. 
in another episode that you and I do together as a conversation, we'll talk about what to do if you haven't been laid off. But you're like, hey, I want to be proactive about this, regardless of whether I get laid off or not. I want to be able to like, you know, start setting my terms now. Yeah. Um, because there are ways to do that. And, you know, we're going to start talking about that a little bit more on my blog. I'm going to write an article about that, which is, I think, coming out this week. Mm-hmm. And there will be some other content around that. But I can't wait for you and I to discuss that a little more deeply as well. You definitely prepared more than I did when I got let go from a project. But either way, you know, it's still it's still good. But anything else you want to touch on? If not, we can kind of wrap no, it up. No, that's it. I just, you know, thank you for, for doing this with me. I know you just made a, a, you know, you just drove, you know, halfway across the country. So, uh, and you yeah. literally just like arrived like a minute ago and then yeah. boom, you like unpacked everything and got on this call so we can record this. And I appreciate you so much for that. Yeah, of course. Well, you know how it is. Like jump in the saddle when you can versus like, again, like when you get laid off, you got to get right back into it or you're going to get comfortable. So can't do there that. we go there we go and you've but. chosen to shift your focus to like you know the things that you enjoy doing and so um so yeah doesn't matter if you just arrived or not you're like hey let's do this so yeah, yeah thank you for that i appreciate you yeah of course thanks roger i appreciate it Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.